This episode is brought to you in part by Zondervan, publisher of The Perilous Fight, Overcoming Our Culture's War on the American Family, written and narrated by retired neurosurgeon and politician Dr. Ben Carson. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Haiti has been tangled in a web of, of corruption, unrest, um, instability, political turmoil over the past three decades, ever since the, um, the fall of the dictatorship in 87. This is a podcast about two things, helping those with urgent needs in front of us today and improving the road so others can walk it safely in the future. Welcome to The Better Samaritan, where we are learning how to do good better. I'm Kent Annan, co-director of the Humanitarian Disaster Institute at Wheaton College, and I do this podcast with my colleagues, Jamie Aiton and Laura Finch. Last night, there was an assassination in Haiti, which we're going to focus on today. The reason we're talking about this is we can work on how to love our neighbors in the moment to be as effective as possible, but there are also these systemic issues which we address uh, where government plays such a role and impact in what people's lives are like day to day. So in this podcast, we're going to talk, talk with our guests and address some of these issues. I, I've spent time in Haiti, worked there for many years, lived there for two and a half years. And in this podcast, we're going to talk about what does this assassination mean? How are people getting their information? What is the impact in the weeks ahead on people's daily lives? And how does the church address and speak into and make a difference in people's lives in crises like this? We're glad you're with us. Hope you enjoy this conversation as we look at what is happening in Haiti right now. I'm very grateful to be here today talking with Mark Antoine, who's country director of Tier Fund Haiti and CEO of For King and Country Foundation. Mark, I wish we were talking again under better circumstances, but really good to be with you. Good to be with you as well, Kent. Thank you so much uh, for the invitation. Um, it's been a while since we last saw each other. I'm happy to be here. Indeed, indeed. So let's jump right into it. So last night, the president of Haiti, and we'll give her background, uh, you're Haitian uh, and Haitian-American. Um, last night, the president of Haiti was assassinated. Can you tell us what you know so far uh, as you're in Haiti right now, even as information is swirling, what do you know so far about the situation? Yeah, so information is still coming in um, around 1 a.m. last night, so early, early uh in the morning of the 7th of July, um, what we have learned is that the president was assassinated in his home. Um, and immediately, that, that's, that's pretty shocking. Most assassinations, as we know, are usually done in public um, somewhere outside. Um, but this was done in his private residence, um, which immediately raised a number of questions um, as to how and who. Um, so far, what the prime minister um, the, the, the acting prime minister, who is actually now acting president um, of, of Haiti, what he reported, Claude Joseph, um, is that the, the commandos, is, is what they're calling them, the commandos were speaking English and Spanish, um, and they attacked the president, shooting the president, killing the president. His wife was also shot. There have been a number of, uh, of, of rumors going around as, as to the health of, of the First Lady, um, but officially the report is that she is being treated um, um, outside of the country for gun uh, gunshot wounds. Um, so yeah, the president has been assassinated. 
Um, and we have the acting prime minister who is now um, the acting president. Can you give us a little context because this is uh, political context over the last couple of years that have led to this moment? Yes, um, this is definitely not an isolated uh, incident. This has been going on for a long time. And as, as people who have been following Haiti, um, you will know that uh, Haiti has been tangled in a web of, of corruption, unrest, um, instability, political turmoil over the past three decades, ever since the, um, the fall of the dictatorship in 87. Um, over the past number of years, since Jovenel has been president, um, there has been increase, increased violence, increased tensions, increased kidnappings, um, a number of, of uh, unrest and periods of turmoil from the opposition um, saying that Jovenel's presidency has, you know, is illegitimate. Um, there has been a lot of tension around the, 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 the date of the end of his term. Um, of, according to the Constitution, many people from the opposition argued that his term ended uh, in, in February 2021. Um, however, uh, the, Jovenel uh, Moise um, refuted that, saying that he, he, he did not serve a full five-year term, and so he continued and remained uh, in, in, as president, um, and you know, which was met with a lot of a lot of uh, resistance. People saying that he's been ruling by decree. So it's it's been a really tough season in terms of political stability and unrest. Just a few weeks ago, there's been a, there there was um, large gang violence in the Matisang and Fortamar areas, which resulted in over fourteen thousand people displaced from their homes, living in the streets, living in camps. And so this assassination comes in the midst of all of that. Comes in the midst of hurricane season. We just had a Hurricane Elsa pass by the grace of God. Um, there was not a ma major impact um, uh, in, in our country, but we're in the right, you know, smack in the middle of hurricane season. Um, and, and, and so this comes on the tail end of a lot that's going on in our country. And it seems like one of the significant challenges is because of this turmoil, um, many people in parliament, their terms have expired. There's the, uh, I guess, the Supreme Court, the equivalent of the Supreme Court Chief Justice died of COVID recently. Um, so there's not, as I understand it, a clear succession plan here, which would normally be the case. Uh, is, that, is that how you understand what's happening right now? Yes, uh, definitely. Um, as we said, you know, the past couple of years have been very confusing politically. Um, about one third of parliament has been functioning. The other two thirds, you know, did not go through elections. Um, there is no uh, room, uh, chamber of deputies. Um, and the, the right before the president died, he nominated a, a prime minister. Um, however, because there's no parliament, that prime minister has yet to be you know, ratified in uh, and, and has not commenced his term. And so um, it's, 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 it's very muddy um, as, as, as to what's going to happen, who's succeeding, who's not succeeding. Um, this is also election year. Elections were planned for later this year. Who knows if those will happen? There was also supposed to be um, a referendum to change the Constitution um, that was being, this was being pushed by, by the president, met with heavy criticism. But again, you know, who knows if that will go forward. So, 
yeah, there, there's been a lot of confusion, uncertainty, and, and now there's even more uncertainty um, as, as things move forward in light of the assassination. And what role, I, I lived in Haiti um, during some uh, a previous um, uh, political instability, and there's been some since. What role does the church play, uh, Mark, in times like this? I think it'd be different than many Americans might be used to the, the role of how the church functions around information community um, in, in times of political turmoil right now. The, the, the church usually plays a major role um, and, and, and what we've been seeing in, in increasing, increasingly uh, a major, major role um, in, in times like this. One, um, the numbers may be disputed, but it's, it's pretty clear that the majority of the population in Haiti is, is, is Protestant. Um, as to what percentage of that majority, the, the, the official numbers are around 52%. Um, and then an, another, you know, large percentage being Catholics. Um, so the church has a major role in the information that's being disseminated um, in, in the sentiment um, in, in the nation. Um, the church is also a place of refuge. Um, you know, whether it's people being displaced, like we've seen over the past few weeks in Machisa after the violence, people go to churches. The churches have been leading the responses, giving food kits, hygiene kits. And so the churches are really and, and remain the center of communities, both in urban communities and rural communities. And so churches play a major role. Over the past two years, actually back in 2020, the, 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 the major denominations and networks in Haiti came together um, and for a campaign called Aiti Nabatia, the Haiti that we're building. And this was an advocacy campaign which uh, gave a 30-year vision of what the church wanted to see in the country. And it had th about 13 themes, um, themes such as education, healthcare, governance, corruption, et cetera. Um, and the church laid out a vision for Haiti over the next 30 years. Um, and this really galvanized, because traditionally, while the church plays a major role, the church does not like to get involved in politics. Um, the church can sometimes be uh, uh, mums the word when it comes to political uh, um, um, conversation. But this document and this advocacy campaign really has been revolutionary for the church because the church has taken a step towards being vocal um, in what happened. So what I know as of now is that the leaders of the church are, are, are talking and discussing about what to say, what to do, but nothing has been uh said yet in light of the assassination, um, but we will be checking in with the leaders and seeing how that goes. And how are people, so if you think of people, would this could be a church or radio, like how are people getting information right now? Like what is it like for people just on the ground as you're texting with friends, family, yeah. colleagues, are people staying at home right now? Are they, are, is there a church prayer chain where people are communicating? Is everyone kind of glued to the radio to see, should I go out to the market to get food or should I stay in? Like, can you just give us a, for a, for like a, a regular person on the street, you know, what is this situation happening right now? And what are they paying attention to? Where are they getting information? What are they doing or not doing? Yeah, I, I think that the number one source of information is definitely the radio. Um, the radio is, is, is the premier source of information in Haiti. Um, the, the, there's a number of radio stations who are, you know, giving round-the-clock information and updates as to what's going on. Secondly, I would say WhatsApp, <laughs> um, uh, which is good and, and, and bad. Um, 
you know, it, it allows information to be disseminated quickly. But unfortunately, there's also a lot of misinformation um, that's spread via WhatsApp. But WhatsApp is definitely a close number two um, to the radio. Everyone who has a radio also has a phone and they're WhatsApping. Um, and then thirdly, I would say, you know, other social media channels, especially Twitter, especially for the younger generation. Um, most of the uh, Haitian figures, whether they're in parliament or other, you know, prominent social figures are on Twitter. The prime minister is on Twitter and has been giving updates there. Um, and so definitely the radio, WhatsApp, Twitter, social media in general um, are the places where information is, 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 is being shared. And then for you as someone who, who is leading Tier Fund, how are you thinking about the humanitarian issues in this moment? You talked about the systemic issues of politics that have led to this crisis moment of assassination. There's also systemic um, issues of poverty and other uh, problems that the country faces. I just saw today, I think six, the World Bank estimates 60% of people in Haiti living uh, in poverty. You know, What are you going to be paying attention to over the next week uh, for you as a humanitarian leader in the country? Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that number by the World Bank, it's interesting because um, th th there are two definitions of, of, of poverty. And so there's a general poverty, which is at 60%. But then there's also a higher level of extreme poverty, which I see that they removed from their website, um, which is which is interesting. And so there's there's a there's a higher number that 60 percent. There's a higher number um, is actually much higher than that. Um, we we estimated somewhere around 80 percent total, with a, about 20 people 20 percent of people living in extreme poverty, um, and, and 60 um, living um, in poverty. And there's some definitions around those, um, but. Um, as you know, as, as an organization, as an NGO, what we know from our experience is that whenever you have tensions like these, what it does is it exacerbates, um, you know, the underlying vulnerabilities that are there, the risks that communities and families are already facing. And so um, what the prime minister has said today is that for the next um, few weeks, um, he's declared a, a state of siege, um, état de siège. Um, uh, a nation, which means the borders are closed, the ports are closed, um, essentially martial law comes into play, um, and a number of other things, which means, you know, borders are closed with the DR, the ports are closed, which means food um, will become rare, um, gas uh, <laughs> will become rare, um, which means prices will increase, which means food security, food insecurity um, will increase as families will have to pay more to get food, as there will be less access you know, to, to primary uh, materials. Um, this also means that, you know, access, you know, to, to different areas, people won't be able to, you know, get out and, and, and sell as they would, you know, normally do on a day-to-day -day basis. Income for the families will decrease. Um, we, all, we already know that the, the metropolitan area of Port-au-Prince is already undergoing a lot of violence and unrest. Um, and we, we, we predict that that will probably continue um, in, in light of this. Um, the, the borders closing also means there's, there's going to be a lack of, of of medicine and materials coming in for the hospitals. And COVID is on the rise in Haiti and has been on the rise for the past number of, of, of weeks. Um, and so the, the situation in Haiti, you know, because of this, we, we predict that it will worsen. Um, and we're positioning ourselves to respond to the needs of the people um, that we serve, especially in the metropolitan areas, um, but also looking at, you know, how this will affect people living in the provinces as well. 
Well, Mark, thank you. I was talking with our mutual friend, Anel Ajarville, who's uh, directs DAI Haiti there. And, you know, just so, so much uh, respect for the leadership that you and people like Anel uh, give and also know, as you just said, as people who are already vulnerable and facing life day to day who are now, you know, just have these incredible increased challenges there. So um, we'll continue to be in conversation with you and others. Um, you know, in this podcast, we, we talk about these issues because we're looking at systemic issues of how do we love our neighbors well. And part of that includes understanding underlying issues and then also un understanding crisis moments and how these crisis moments also tie into the bigger picture. So thanks for what you're doing, Mark. We'll be in uh, thinking of you, praying for you and supporting in any way we can. And thanks for the work that you and your community are doing uh, in Haiti. Thank you so much, Ken. I really appreciate it. For those who are interested in supporting the work of Tier Fund or learning more about our programming uh, in country, um, please do visit our website, tierfund.org, um, we, as well as our social media handles um, on, on Instagram and Facebook. There are opportunities to learn, opportunities to give there. Thank you, Kent. Um, I really, really appreciate the work that you're doing and looking forward to continuing uh, to be in touch. Well, thanks for joining us for this conversation with Mark. I really appreciate Mark. I've known him for a number of years and uh, my heart's breaking as I'm sure yours is for Haiti in this moment. As we take in the information, especially in these early days, you know, I think we, we want to help and it's hard to know what we can do, but we can pray. So really encourage you to think about what we heard here and thinking about the church, thinking about politicians, thinking about the, the families, you know, struggling to get enough calories each day for them and for their children. And let's be in prayer there and let the, Let's uh, wait and see how God leads that prayer for us into action to be able to support and love our neighbors in Haiti as together we all keep seeking to become better Samaritans to each other. Thanks for listening to the Better Samaritan podcast. You can find links to the things we mentioned during this episode in the show notes. And special thanks to the brilliance for this fantastic music theme. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. You can also follow the Humanitarian Disaster Institute on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We'll see you next week as we continue learning to do good better. This episode was brought to you in part by the Lord of Spirits podcast. Many Christians yearn to break free of the influence of secular materialism and to understand the union of the seen and unseen worlds as made by God. What is the spiritual world like? Tune in wherever you get your podcasts.